What's up, sons and daughters? This is Sam Jesse, and I am back with Chris and Robert from the Locks of Saturday. Fellas, our first ever morning recording. How are we all doing this morning? It's not too early in the morning, but it's a Saturday. 11 a.m. on a Saturday. That's pretty early. Yes, the women's uh, Hokies team is tipping off right now against NC State, looking for another upset in the ACC tournament. Uh, the Hokies without Kitley, without King, but playing hard. We'll see. We'll see how they do against the NC State Wolfpack. Well, fellas, we will be talking NBA today, but coming up, the best tournament ever, March Madness. And I'll tell you what, the teams are about to be selected, and that means there's not much time left to join DraftKings if you haven't already. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a shot to bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoop games with same-game parlays. You can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want, and that is huge because we are about to enter March Madness, the biggest tournament of the year, Very, very exciting stuff from DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code SOS. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code SOS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Virginia only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, Call the Virginia Problem Gambling Helpline at 888-532-3500. Well, quick, quick, probably unanswerable question because, Sam, you just brought it up, the best tournament. And I have to think about that. Is March Madness, and then we'll get into the NBA in a second here, is March Madness actually the best tournament? And what would be its number one competition? So I thought usually it's compared to this versus maybe like the World Cup. FIFA I would World say... Cup. I would say the World Cup, people around the world would just say Champions League. Yeah. Because you have the biggest teams and the biggest stars playing each other. Um, Yeah, I I would say it's between March Madness and the World Cup. Yeah. And I was trying to think of like, what would be seen as kind of like the biggest premium about it. Obviously March Madness, but just the fact that it seems like every single person on the planet, even my grandma fills out the bracket and everybody kind of gets invested and upsets and everything. Or is it the scale and, you know, somewhat of the, uh, you know, every four years, you don't get it all the time kind of World Cup nature. So it's that, that, that supply versus demand of the World Cup and what, what actually separates it to because I think March Madness it has so much chaos, but all of that chaos happens in like four days. Yes. And it's it's back to back to back. It's constantly happening. You have four games going on at once. It's like, it's overload. It's it's, it's like the best week Nirvana. of the year every year. Yes. Right? Yes. And the thing with the World Cup is like, you kind of know the teams going in a bit more. And there's a lot of space in between games. There's a lot of talking heads that just kind of like talk about the games. It it doesn't have the chaos factor that, you know, a tournament, an AAU style basketball tournament has. So for me, it's, it's March madness. Nothing comes close to it. 
I agree. This is March. This is March. It is March 5th. And look, we will be talking plenty of March Madness. Next Monday, we will have our Bracket Podcast Super Fun, and you can be involved in it. ESPN.com Bracket Challenge with the locks of Saturday. Just like we did Bull Mania, the winner of that group will get a prize from the Sons of Saturday. Very fun. Wait for more details. That'll be really awesome. We'll have more details going out on social this week and then going out on the podcast on Monday as well. But fellas, today we are talking NBA. We're talking NBA futures, and we just wanted to look at this just about a week post-All-Star break. Wanted to look at the Eastern Western Conference, NBA futures, the MVPs, and maybe some dark horse teams to look at. This is our first time talking NBA, but... I know I work very closely with NBA. Robert works very closely with NBA. Chris, you're a huge Hawks fan. So we should have fun with this one. Let's start in the Eastern Conference. All of our teams are Eastern Conference, Atlanta, Charlotte, Cleveland. How are we feeling about this one? Chris, I'm going to let you start. The favorites to win the Eastern Conference right now are still the Brooklyn Nets at plus 260. First, I want to get your thought on the Brooklyn Nets. And then we can go into your pick for the Eastern Conference. Kevin Durant. I mean, if you have to just look at the NBA every single year, year over year, it's all about how many, if you have more than one, but if you have one, all NBA style players who are the best in the game at that moment on your team. And that's kind of end of story. And that's why Brooklyn, even though that they are struggling to even possibly right now look at a 10 seed, uh, just because Durant is injured, uh, Kyrie is playing every other day until they fully lift all of the kind of vaccine mandates in New York. Um, they're still plus 260 number one odds in the Eastern Conference right now to win the East. And that is solely because of Kevin Durant. He plays for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, you look at what he did last year. He had a hobble James Harden, um, no Kyrie. Uh, the rest of the team was kind of, you know, not really rising to the occasion. And literally they were still, I think it was a Kevin Durant toenail away from getting to that next uh, level there in the Eastern Conference Finals and beating the Bucs, I believe. Um, so they were they were there last year at this time. And even though that they have been a complete, almost disaster this season, giving all the variables, they're still right there favored, heavily favored to be uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but they're not the choice for me. I see them as the favorite. And I also see them as that is one of the worst uh, values you can possibly get right now looking at the Eastern Conference amongst the favorites. And so for me, when I think of the favorites and I think of the kind of what I said right before, which was the players who are MVP caliber, all pro, all excuse me, all NBA style players on your team, you have to look at the Sixers and the Bucks. And amongst that crop of teams, and I said this on the stack beforehand, in terms of favorites for the Eastern Conference, I love the Sixers. I love James Harden. I love that he basically unzipped his fat suit that he was wearing in Brooklyn and somehow come miraculously looked like he shredded like 10 to 15 pounds overnight. And now he is back and just crushing it in the first games out of the gate from the all-star break right now. And he is the perfect complement of a player playing with an MVP caliber player, Joel Embiid. So in terms of the top of the East, give me the Sixers because I don't think that anybody with that pairing of a healthy James Harden and a healthy Joel Embiid will be stopped in a seven-game series. So I'll pause right there. I'll pass over to Irby to see if he agrees. But the Sixers at plus 340 right now, at least in terms of favorite, that's pretty good value. Yeah, I I do agree. I think that 
I, I agree about Brooklyn's value probably not being the best at plus 260. That's not maybe not the most wise bet to make unless you're really sure about it. And I actually am. Um, I feel pretty confident in what Brooklyn can do when they have all their pieces together. Now, granted, that's a big what if. Um, and I think as we go deeper into this podcast, we're going to find that there's a lot of teams with those what ifs of you know a lot of injuries out there and Kyrie Irving circumstances about. Um, but I think Brooklyn, they've, they're the favorite for a reason. I think even after the Ben Simmons trade, you know, I think what Ben Simmons can bring to them, um, it's a lot of versatility, uh, especially you'll kind of see him playing a little bit more in the post when he's in there, but kind of like a ball handling post player, uh, almost like a Draymond Green type player. Um, but what really sets Brooklyn apart for me, because I would say that both Brooklyn and Philly have the star power. There's no question about that, but Brooklyn is a deep team. I think people kind of underrate that because a part of the part of the trade that they got was they got Seth Curry, who's one of the best spot up shooters in the league. They're missing um, Joe Harris for the year, however, but there's other guys like there's uh, Patty Mills, um, Cam Thomas has been great as a rookie, Bruce Brown. They just got Garan Dragic. Like Brooklyn could theoretically throw nine maybe 10 guys out there um, in the playoffs. And especially with the uncertainty around Kyrie, it's important that they have capable point guards um, in Mills, in Dragic, if Kyrie is unavailable. Um, but they if also, he is... They also have Blake Griffin coming off the bench. And look, he's not Blake Griffin that he was with the Clippers, but you're still looking at somebody with a lot of experience and somebody who's right. a really good on-ball defender. So... Yeah, Griffin and and LaMarcus Aldridge. Yep. Even even Andre Drummond, who has been a meme for a while, but he's just good at clogging up space and getting rebounds, which is kind of what they were missing. Um, I wouldn't necessarily trust him against Embiid. I think in that series, Embiid would kind of get whatever he wanted. But the thing about Philly for me is they don't have that depth. Um, I mean, what, are we expecting Maz to play some crunch time minutes? Like, no. I think that... At this point, Philly, they haven't quite figured out how to fit Tobias Harris into this James Harden-led team. Um, and they just don't really have the depth of the versatility since they traded away some of that with Curry and Drummond. So I like Brooklyn here. I'll ask you uh, one more question on Brooklyn before we get to some other teams. With Ben Simmons, he hasn't played high-level basketball in a while now. And then he's just going to be kind of waltzing in during the playoff push and into the playoffs. By the way, the Nets are in a playoff push. Uh, they are not, you know, they have not clinched anything up. And the Eastern Conference has been more and more competitive as the season has gone on. Are you a little bit worried about them making a trade for somebody who might not be able to help them in this playoff run. I mean, his conditioning in in-game play, it can't be good right now. Yeah. My the fact that I didn't even mention Ben Simmons pretty much tells you every, at least my opinion of what Ben Simmons is right now as an MVP, excuse me, a a possible kind of quote unquote addition. But I talk mostly about Durant, and that's why they're in there. And obviously everyone's really high on kind of what a Kyrie Durant tandem can go together and then the theory is oh yeah you add Ben Simmons to this 
as a Hawks fan from last season, I saw what Ben Simmons has to offer. Yeah, his role will be changed when he's playing off of Durant and uh, and Kyrie potentially in the playoffs. Um, but I I don't know what that is. He's been claiming, uh, at least claiming, and I don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt, uh, mental health type issues. He's not in basketball shape. He hasn't been playing all season long. Uh, even if he wasn't kind of truly like having like a mental health type thing, he definitely has a complete lack of confidence going into, you know, where it went from last off season into this season. Um, so I just don't know what I'm getting. Um, am I going to get that former? Was it a definitely defensive all pro potential all NBA type style player who can feed off of these two guys and basically will not need him to put the ball on the net in order to be a contributor on the nets. Uh, but Going into the playoffs, I want guarantees. I want people who are healthy, who have been healthy, who have been playing all season long, know their role, and have been playing off of the other players to know their role. And with that, I like the Sixers better because not only do they have Embiid and Harden, and I believe Harden still, you know, if he wasn't throwing games, he still is a caliber player that can put up an MVP style campaign on the right, uh, excuse me, in uh, the modern kind of where we are today, you know, not from a few years back, but um, Tyrese Maxey activated in terms of what his new role is with uh, James Harden. And I think was it the first four games they've had all three of those, all 20 plus a night uh, back to back to back to back. Um, and that's extremely exciting for his development because people thought that he was going to come in and just basically watch Harden jack up bad shots. No, he's really active in the, uh, in the offense. Um, so the fourth best player, once again, is Tobias Harris, but now you're getting Harris kind of in his true kind of natural role, which is just, Hey, you're the fourth best guy Just stand over in the corner and you'll get open looks pretty much all night long. So, um, I think they just have more pieces and in crunch time, uh, in the NBA playoffs, it's always down to who are your top six, maybe seven at most who are contributing at a high level. And amongst those core groups, not only do I like the Sixers kind of pound for pound across the board, but who's stopping Joel Embiid? The guy's on an MVP campaign right now. I just don't think in a seven-game series anyone is capable of stopping Joel Embiid now that he has an MVP caliber guard to play off of. Just, yeah. How do you stop that? I, I think that's kind of the biggest point. We'll get to our MVP discussion, but Joel Embiid this year like seems really unstoppable. And I, I have a couple comments. One on the Nets. A big issue with the Brooklyn Nets for me is even if they get KD back, even if they have, I don't know, 75% of what Ben Simmons can be, they're a pretty poor defensive team. And if you're trying to win on the road, which they will need to win on the road to make any sort of playoff push, you have to be elite defensively. Currently, they are 23rd in the NBA in defensive rating. That's not very good. There's not that many teams. <laughs> like, the Charlotte Hornets have a better defense right now than the Brooklyn Nets. And Robert, you've and watched their a lot defense of is bad. They're terrible. Like we're dealing with a really bad defensive team. Another team that worries me is the Chicago Bulls defensively. They're 21st defensively. That's not good. And I, I worry about that because every team can go get buckets, right? Every team has NBA caliber shooters. They have big guys. Every team in the NBA can score. Not every team can or wants to play defense. And it's really hard to make a playoff push if you don't play defense. So that's what worries me about the Nets. That's what worries me about the Bulls. Uh, if we haven't talked about the Bulls much, but they are at 
uh, plus 1,200 to win the East, and they're currently sitting in in, uh, fourth place. But it's really a cluster there at the top of the East, really all throughout the East. The team that I really like to win the East right now is leading the East right now, and that's the Miami Heat. They are plus 475 to win the East right now. They are in first place. They have been the most consistent team, even with injuries, even with having Bam Adebayo out for a while, even with Jimmy Butler being out for a while. They've still played really, really well. I think what might hurt the Heat is they will have, <laughs> they will lock up the number one seed and then have absolutely no home court advantage at all. <laughs> I think that might really hurt them. But if I have to pick somebody for value, the team that's in first place at this point in the season, and I'm getting them at plus 475, I really like that. And I talked about defense and, and how important it is coming the playoff time. They're the sixth best defense in the NBA right now, allowing only 107.6 points per game. So I really like what the Heat have done this year. I think they have a good combination of classic big men, shooters, ball handlers, and then you have a playmaker who can make a big shot in Jimmy Butler. And I think anytime that you have a star that has that that kind of tenacity, that nastiness to them like Jimmy Butler has, That'll take you a good ways. You don't want a prima donna as your star in the playoffs. You want somebody who will do the dirty work. And Jimmy Butler is a guy who will do that. So I really like the Heat. Chris, I told you I wasn't going to get on here and talk about the Cavs that much. I will get on here and say the Cavs have lost six of seven. They've had injury issues. They're in sixth place right now. But if you want to look at a team that can cause matchup nightmares for everybody, who hopefully will be healthy come playoff time. The Cavs might be a team to watch. They're at plus 2,500. They have a stretch coming up where they play eight of nine games at home. So you could see them make a bit of a bump in the standings. They're at plus 2,500. In terms of underdog big value teams in the East, I, I the Cavs would be a good team to pick right there. Because again, you're dealing with a really good defensive team, number four defense in the NBA, and you're looking at a team that will get a lot of points back. They've been without 60 to 70 points a game for most of the time after the All-Star break. So just the team to look at, I think, for the more long odds teams, I don't think the Cavs are going to win the East. I don't even think they'll make the Eastern Conference Finals, but at plus 2,500, it's worth a shot. We've seen crazier things happen. Yeah, just to round out the discussion on these, I feel like, you know, we at least have to mention the Bucks and the Celtics just because, uh, you know, the Celtics, you know, storming out of the, uh, the what is it, the all-star break. And obviously they got Derek White uh, towards the trade deadline there. And they look like their defense is, you know, really, really tenacious. You're going into the playoffs where things kind of lock down a little bit more. So, um, you know, what does a Boston Celtics team in the playoffs really look like? Um, I just... I feel like at the end of the day, it's going to be one of those things where um, they're going to have a tough time scoring points. So they're just going to be the team that they're going to try to win ugly. Um, in fact, I think one of the most brutal series that could possibly happen if it does would be like a like a Heat Celtics type style playoff matchup where it's going to be like, you know, 1980 style, you know, final scores of 70 to 80 type style basketball games. Um, so avert your eyes if that happens. But I just, at the end of the day, I don't think they have the scoring and I just don't think Tatum there as their number one player is quite ready 
you know, obviously the track record of NBA kind of breakout teams with star players that win championships or at least get to them. It's usually like the star players around 26, 27 years old. Is that kind of what Giannis did last year? Um, I just feel like he's not there yet. I mean, the ongoing NBA joke is Tatum is still 19 years old, uh, but he's just, I don't think quite ready to get to that ultimate level, which is winning an NBA championship. Granted, this is probably the best defense he's had playing around with consistent kind of players in a pool. Uh, Bucks just to me feel like a team that it's hard to repeat. Uh, they put kind of a full effort into a late, late run last season. And they just kind of, although Giannis has been pretty much the same amount of production, the rest of the team just kind of isn't there all together. And I just, I don't get that same vibe as I saw them last year. And I, I just contribute that to, hey, this team just is in that kind of post championship hangover type effect. And it, it is tough for them, I don't know, plus 350 to me to bank on them being a, a conference winning odds team with the value there. I just I just don't see it. They seem off. I, I, I just don't get a good feeling this year about the Bucks. That's more subjective than objective, but no, I'm that's gonna, just my perception. I'm going to back you up on that one. It, it doesn't feel good for the Bucks. I, they don't have that feeling this year. Like they had their moment. It's a gut right. instinct. Yeah, you don't get well, you don't get back to back moments. It doesn't really yeah. happen. Yeah, it, their defense has declined fairly significantly as well. Um, last year, they were one of the best defensive teams in the league. They're twelfth in defensive rating this year, mm-hmm. um, but some other efficiency numbers would tell you they're a little bit worse than twelfth. So they're about probably middle of the road at best defensively, um, which defense was kind of their calling card last year with you know Giannis and Drew and kind of their switchability. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, that just hasn't happened. Um, and barring Giannis going nuclear again, I just think that Brooklyn, or sorry, Milwaukee is uh, just not going to think. I don't know if they're in it for the long haul again. I agree with you guys. Well, let's before move we on over to, oh, I'm sorry to say before we switch over, doesn't it just feel good to talk about a lot of really good teams in the East? I feel like it's been a long time coming, and now it feels like wow, we have stars. It's That's a really good from point. Basically, one to like ten, almost. You know, we didn't even mention the Raptors. Granted, we don't need to because there's no way. <laughs> I, I'll say this now, but I'm up to finish. Say they're not making the Eastern Conference Finals or winning Eastern Conference, but um, it just feels really good to have these East Coast teams, uh, large population centers, with good NBA franchises and awesome players. So, thank you for coming back, East. All right, let's switch. All right, let's switch to the West. And the West is kind of, I think, has more of the big star names. It has probably, you know, a few of the teams that are kind of favorites to win the NBA title. But let's look at it right now. The favorite is the Phoenix Suns at plus 170. They are eight games ahead of the Golden State Warriors for first place. Golden State being at plus 185, followed by the Utah Jazz at plus 650. And then John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies at plus a thousand. Guys, I'll just be really quick. For me, it's got to be the Suns. And the way that they have been consistently the best team this year, like they haven't gone on one big run and then lost a bunch. Like throughout the whole season, they've been really, really good. If Chris Ball can come back and be healthy, that team is, is their starting five is ridiculous. They have everything you want. They have the the nasty defensive player in Jay Crowder. They have the elite point god Chris Paul. They have Devin Booker who's your do-it-all shooter. If Cam Johnson comes out and makes nine threes again like he did last night, it's going to be a really tough team. And I think DeAndre Aiden has continued to get better and better kind of 
every month he's been in the NBA, he just becomes a better and better big man. I like the Suns. However, at plus 170, that's kind of a tough bet right now. So a team that I would really look at would be the Denver Nuggets. And I know both of you love the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets are at plus 1,500. They're doing this without Jamal Murray. They're doing this without Kevin Porter Jr. And they're still stacked. Maybe the best... Is it okay to say that the Nuggets, when healthy, might be the best roster in the NBA? Like 1 no, through 10? Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, especially if you look at the fact that all of these guys are getting minutes now in place of Murray and uh, Michael Porter Jr. that are, you know, maybe weren't used to getting as many minutes. Now they've improved. They've gotten those reps. And so, you know, if those two come back and are able to kind of get inundated in time, like, yeah. I really think the sky's the limit for them. Um, I'm going to agree with you on Phoenix, though. I do think that Phoenix should be the favorite. I think the only reason for pause I would have would be uh, Chris Paul's health. Um, Obviously, he's out right now. And I know Cam Johnson hit a pretty wild buzzer beater last night to win, but that was also a game against the Knicks. And it's like, okay, why are they they down to the wire with the Knicks? Um, And you can kind of look at some of the other games that Chris Paul's been out. Phoenix is not quite what they were because they were on pace to have, you know, far and away the best record in the NBA and have looked like the best team for a while. Um, and with Paul, they've just, or without Paul, they've, their efficiency has gone down a little bit and I don't know, maybe they're just kind of working out the lumps and they're all kind of same with the nuggets, kind of getting those reps without him. Um, so that when he comes back, they can be better. Um, but if he isn't healthy, this is not a championship team, and this is not a team that can win the West. I'm going to go ahead and agree with the Suns. Uh, it'll be a big disappointment when uh, the owner, Robert Sarver, just says, DeAndre is just too expensive for me, and he becomes a free agent, and uh, they move on from him. But that's besides the point. Uh, God bless the cheap Suns. Um, but yes, this is absolutely their window. Um, I always want to be cautious about banking on a Chris Paul led team to get to the final, you know, the, the, the promised land as an NBA championship. But um, this does seem to be the most mature and well-rounded roster that I think he's probably ever been a part of that saying something because he's been on some really good teams. But um, to me, it's more likely of just, you know, is Devin Booker that guy who is now kind of at that age that can be there, get a bucket, you know, elite scorer in a playoff setting. We saw last year, and I think it's something to bank on this year, but uh, you're absolutely right about the value. You're not getting a lot uh, at plus 170. Uh, Even with the Warriors at plus 185, I feel like if they don't have a healthy Draymond, that is a losing bet. Uh, They've looked terrible without him over the last few games. Um, So I I just don't know what I'm getting with an injured Draymond. Um, I'm not even going to look at the Jazz. Uh, I've seen enough. They're the team that is uh, the... Kind of, they're like the before they won a Super Bowl, Indianapolis Colts, always a bridesmaid, never a bride type team. Um, but you stole my Nuggets uh, take, uh, which probably wasn't much of a steal. It's pretty easy to see. But um, to me, the, the West kind of comes down to two factors. One is, does Kawhi Leonard and Paul George come back and can they get some game reps in before they go into playoffs? Because if that does happen, the Clippers should be the most realistic, kind of like a Durant on the Brooklyn Nets type thing. They have the two best players at their primes who have done it before and are elite bucket getters in the playoffs. And when they're paired together on the same team in those moments with Ty Lue as their coach, 
I do feel like that is probably at plus 3000 right now. Maybe just a flyer bet, you know, just put it out there uh, and just bank on the fact that Kawhi Leonard's legs will be good. Um, but the other one is just who is just going to explode. And I just, I got a weird gut feeling that a Luka Doncic led Dallas Mavericks team. Um, he's run into those same Clips teams each time and taken them to the wire each time with absolutely trash roster around them each time. But every single time he's getting older, he's learning how to actually uh, kind of go toe to toe for those teams, getting that experience. And I just feel like losing Kristaps made the Mavericks better. Um, and one of those kind of addition by subtraction type moves, it seems like everybody kind of knows their place. They play a better, well-rounded kind of style offense, completely centered around Doncic playing that kind of rockets, you know, kind of James Harden. I'm the facilitator center of the universe type role, but that's what he's there for. He's a six, eight point forward center who can, I'm sorry, not center, but a point forward, uh, guard who can just absolutely be devastating in the playoffs. So in terms of value of at least getting to the Western conference and being the winner plus 1800 on the Mavericks, um, I would, I would love, I would love to see that happen. Uh, but the Clippers, if they're healthy at plus 3000 is like my dark horse Western conference pick. Um, so those two teams aside, um, really everybody just doesn't present the good amount of value that I'm getting at the top, like, you know, a plus 370 for the Sixers in the East. Uh, I'm not looking at the Suns and the Warriors that might assume less than plus 200 odds. So, yeah, I'm with you on Dallas for sure. Uh, I guess if it's not the Nuggets, I think my dark horse is probably Dallas because ever since the Chris Stapps trade, um, Dallas has won seven of their nine games since the Chris Stapps trade. And, you know, we were talking about defensive rating earlier. Dallas is fifth in the NBA in defensive rating. That is a very, very underrated aspect of this team is that their defensive numbers have improved drastically. Um, add on the fact that Luka, he just keeps getting better keeps getting better that first game without Chris Stapps he dropped 51 um and so at plus 1800 I mean yeah they just have a lot of different ways talking about depth like they they have a lot of different ways that they can beat you um you know adding in Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans from that Chris Stapps trade that adds you know two guys that can score the ball Bertans more of a spot-up guy Dinwiddie can initiate the offense when Luke is not um I mean, yeah, they have they have built this team specifically around Luca and what he brings to the table, and they've done a pretty good job. Um, they might still be another year away, but don't be surprised. Like if you have a star like that, and the team around him is getting better, and they play defense, anything can happen. Especially if the Warriors and Suns aren't healthy. Just throwing it out there: if the Mavs go small, kind of like what the that that uh, when the Clippers would go small, they would be devastating when they were all fully healthy with this mass team. I kind of see that same style of play as like, I don't see a Western conference team that can really stack up when the maps go small with the shooters and the playmaking that they have surrounding all Luca. So that's, that's kind of like my big takeaway on that is they can absolutely devastate the Western conference that's centered around maybe a few key big men, best of which being Jokic. But I just don't know what, uh, a healthy uh, roster looks like with the Nuggets. So a small playing, healthy, well-rounded Mavericks team to me at plus 1,800. Like that's 
in incredible value. A couple things on the Western Conference before we move on. One on the LA Clippers. Uh, doing some research, it it doesn't look like Kawhi Leonard will be back for this year. Um, it it just doesn't look like it's going to work out. And then, I mean, my God, Kawhi Leonard, the amount of years of his prime that have just been decimated by injury. Crazy. Um, and then Paul George, there's no timetable for his recovery, according to Ty Lue. But we'll see if he can make a league push off, uh, playoff run. I kind of have a feeling if Kawhi is not there and they're in that play-in game, I don't know if Paul George comes out and plays in that game. <laughs> um, no, that's no just shot. the feeling I get about those two guys. Um, if they don't want to play, they don't want to play. So, and then um, you know, my other comment on the West is we haven't talked about the Golden State Warriors. Is are they a team that can win an NBA championship this year with a healthy Draymond? Absolutely, with healthy Draymond, with healthy yeah. play. Yeah, yes. that's the thing is, it, yeah, the Warriors' health. Yes, the ceiling is obviously there. I just, I question it just because Draymond is, he's battling a back injury. Is the ceiling like, the roof? The ceiling is always the roof, <laughs> when you, man. The when you is, pause for effect, Sam, I thought you were going to say we haven't talked about the Lakers, and I was just going to shut down this podcast. We're not yeah, yeah, talking yeah. about the Lakers aren't winning anything. <laughs> the Lakers are maybe like the fifth most relevant franchise in LA right now. They might be behind LAFC. <laughs> they're ahead of the LA Kings. That's about it. Yeah, they're somewhere in between LA Galaxy and LAFC. Um, yeah, so I, I, you know, let's talk about NBA championship. I mean, let's go to that tab on DraftKings.com. Right now, the leader for the NBA championship is the Phoenix Suns at plus three eighty. I mean, the the Suns are on pace to finish sixty seven and fifteen. So that's pretty darn good. Uh, last time I checked, Warriors are the second favorite at plus four fifty. Although I think we are kind of all in agreement. I'm in this agreement. The Warriors are a really darn good team, but I worry about them being able to just run around like chickens with their heads cut off this year in this playoff run. And that's when they're at their best. When Clay and Steph are running around in circles, they're impossible to defend. When Draymond has a lot of energy. They do have the younger players now that are playing really well. Kamingo being one of them. He's a freak. He's going to be a really good NBA player for a long time. I I don't get the vibe with Golden State. I think similar to Milwaukee. I don't get the vibe that they're a championship team this year. Yeah, they've spent too long trying to put the pieces together, I think. And um, you know, and and for different reasons. Like early in the season, it was Steph's trying to break the three-point record. So they just funneled every ounce of offense to Steph and Steph was just pulling up in double teams. And it's just like that, that killed their flow for about two weeks. And then you add in the fact that clay comes back and it's his first game in like two years and they're doing everything they can to get him comfortable. And it's like, that's killing their flow. And so they've, they've just had these little things all throughout the year. And now Draymond's hurt. It's like, I see how it could be there, but it just hasn't been all year. Can they turn it on? Sure. Like it's Steph. I'm not going to completely count him out, but I just don't think this is the year. You know, one team that I think this could be the year for, and I talked about him in the Eastern Conference, the Miami Heat are plus a thousand. If you think they're a team that can make it to the finals, plus a thousand in a seven game series, you got to like that. They do, if they match up against the Suns, they do have guys to defend 
Phoenix's players. They have Aiton to go up against uh, Bam. I'm using Bam to go up against Aiton. Jimmy Butler can lock down on Devin Booker. They have those guys. That would be a matchup if you get Suns out of the West and you get Heat out of the East. I think the Heat would match up probably the best against the Suns. Um, you know, you're also looking at a team, the Boston Celtics. If they just continue to be hot offensively, that's a team that at plus 2200. I know Billy Ray is going to love this. Billy Ray, everyone's favorite yeah, don't, Duke, Duke, Boston, and New York fan. Um, don't add fuel to his fire, please. <laughs> look, they're a team. I don't, I don't think so. But at plus twenty two hundred, they're the hottest team in the NBA right now. I, you know, maybe it's worth a flyer. Denver Nuggets at plus thirty five hundred. Do we think the Nuggets will they be in sync enough if they get everyone back to make a championship run? Yeah, that is the question. Um, I think with Jokic there, I don't know. I think he makes things easy for everyone. And so if you were going to bet on a team to bring their second and third best players back from long injuries and have them get it together quickly, I think the Nuggets are the best team to bet on in that sense because Jokic, I, Jokic is just on another level right now and he is just incredible at getting the best out of his teammates. So I think that would take some of the pressure off of Jamal and MPJ when they come back. Um, and I mean, MPJ is one of the best spot-up shooters in the league. Jamal is a great initiator, also a great spot-up shooter. Like, I don't know. I, I love that Nuggets roster. I love them at plus 3,500. And I also love Dallas at plus 4,000. You know, I've talked about them already, but who knows, man? Luka's good enough to carry a team to a championship. He just is. I've been tracking these odds over the post all-star break just to kind of see what's happening you can kind of see a little bit of separation amongst the field and that separation line really started with the top two the nets and the sixers and the sixers about a week ago i got them already at plus 750 they're down now to plus 650 and right behind them were the bucks at plus 750 i think as well and they've actually gone to plus 800 so you can really tell who in vegas's eyes are going to be the legit contenders uh, going into the playoffs, and that's the Suns, Warriors, Nets, and Sixers. So amongst that crop of players, I have to say it again, I'm getting a healthy, surging Sixers roster with two MVP caliber style players who play really well off of each other. Give me the Philadelphia 76ers plus 650. Like I said, I already grabbed them at plus 750, but I just don't see in a seven-game scenario, especially in the East, to get there, who's going to combat Joel Embiid and the game that he has added to his over, excuse me, the, uh, the kind of shot and playmaking he's added, even since last season. He's always gotten better. He's added a different type of move. Now he's doing step backs. Like We are getting just a constantly improving Joel Embiid, and if he's healthy, which he is, I have no reason to think that he can't get it done now with James Harden on his side of the ball. One thing with the Sixers, and here's the difference. One of the major, major differences between regular season NBA and postseason NBA is how the game is officiated. It becomes a much more physical game in the playoffs. Do we think the Sixers are going to be able to mentally deal with the fact that they won't get every single call and get to the free throw line every single time? Because I this mean, is a been, team, Joel Embiid, yeah. what makes him so unstoppable is he's automatic at the free throw line and he shoots more free throws than anybody. James Harden 
the only thing he knows how to do at this point in his career is spot up shoot and draw fouls. That's that's really all he does on his yeah. offense now. I mean, you saw in the Cavs game last night, he was kicking his legs out like crazy trying to get fouled on three pointers. In wasn't the playoffs, that, what wasn't that the exact same scenario with Milwaukee going through to the end of the finals last year, and the pressure was on Giannis to make free throws, getting to the basket and getting calls is what the playoffs are usually all about. It's people bullying themselves into, and then in this case. Joel Embiid is going to be a gigantic foul sponge from other players' best shots because no one can really guard him. So, yeah, there's going to be a balance. He's going to get some some nights and some not. But over a seven-game series, I think he's going to get enough calls. Harden's going to get enough calls. They're going to get to the free throw line enough. And it's not just the fact that they're scoring really well, but they still have a really good defense. It's hard to score on Joel Embiid as a seven-foot-one, just monolith in the paint. And then you still have competent defense around them because we haven't even talked about Tybalt. A shutdown, lockdown wing yep. that can go on any other player's best perimeter player. And James Harden can just play off of them and not have to be that kind of, you know, I'm only on one side of the ball. I'm really not contributing at all on the other side. He can do that more because now he has Matisse Tybalt who is taking all that pressure off of him. Yeah. I mean, I just, my one thing with the Sixers is I worry if they're not getting the calls. Are is that too big of a part of their offense that's going to yeah. be gone? Think, is that too big of a challenge in a close calls, game? I don't know. Not getting the calls matters more when you're just shooting, but they can always default to this. We're just going to push and beat in the paint, and he's just going to crush his opponent. Like uh, and that, that's the thing. It's like they have so many different ways that they can dominate you, and that's solely just attributed to just what Joel Embiid is. I'm probably like holding up my number one 76ers foam finger right now, but that's what they are right now. He's an MVP finalist um we'll talk about that in a second but he just has so many elements to his game that if the game goes one way they can switch and go to a style of play and that's solely because of what he is as an mvp caliber big man he's minus 120 to win the mvp right now that is obviously the top odds um is it worth betting minus 120 on the mvp I don't know if you wanted to lead into this, but I hate the MVP odds this year, all of them, because Embiid, to me, because of what he did prior to the break with having pretty much a crap roster around him and his second best player uh, holding out, um, Jokic is that other kind of element, and his roster has not been that great because of the injuries, and just, you know, I think the second best player around him has been Will Barton, um, and they're still really good in the West. Um, I just don't know because the MVP in the NBA is all about the narrative, the story, and I feel like he won it last year. So the narrative will be, he, well, he can't be this back-to-back guy, but it should be Joel Embiid. It probably, because now Harden's with them, might pull away from that legacy a little bit. So then you have to start digging into the well. Um, so you have, you know, the Giannis's and then the more long shot people with Moran exploding right now. You can probably get some better odds, but do I think they're realistic? No, but would I just put one out there and just see it the last few weeks tip their way? You know, maybe put it on Doncic at plus 2,800. I do feel like the first half of the season kind of hurt him, though. Um, so ultimately, if I'm putting it out there and they finish and they have to give it to somebody, I'm probably not going to bet it. But my guess would be Joel Embiid. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a good point when it comes to like narrative. And there is kind of there's kind of a bias against the reigning MVP. Um Kind of how like Giannis has basically put up the same numbers for four years and only has two MVPs to show for it. And the second one was 
honestly shocking that he won. Um, that said, I, I do still like Jokic in that. I think plus 260. The fact that, like, if you look at the odds now, you've got obviously Embiid minus 120. We've touched on that. That's, I mean, you'd be better off betting like a spread on an NBA game as opposed to betting on that future because um, you get better odds on a spread. But plus 260 isn't that far off compared to the next person is Giannis at plus 600. So that shows that the odds makers still view as Jokic in the race. Um, these others are just kind of long shots that are just kind of pretty numbers uh, to make you want to throw your money away. Um, so I do think it has become kind of a two horse race, especially with, you know, I think every team has like 17 or 18 games left, something like that. So that's basically a month left in the regular season. Um, barring like Devin Booker scoring like 40 every night for the next month. Like, I think it's been pretty well set that it's going to be a battle between these two um, and who can do more down the stretch. I think that the fact that James Harden is there takes away some of Embiid's offense. It just It's just going to naturally take away some of his usage. Um, I mean, he was basically doing it by himself with a bunch of role players around him. Now he's got another ball-dominant star with him. It's just natural that his scoring is going to go down. Um, whereas Jokic, again, I mean, we've talked about Murray and MPJ potentially coming back, but even so, like, they're going to need some time. It's going to be very gradual. Um, and Jokic, especially if Denver can continue to improve and maybe climb up the standings a little bit, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for Jokic to win this MVP award. If I had to guess, I still think it'll be Embiid but I don't think the door is closed on Jokic and at plus 260, it's worth a little something. Yeah, at this point, it's kind of hard to take anybody who's not one of the top two favorites, but I mean, DeMar DeRozan's playing probably better than anybody in the NBA right now. He's at plus 1,200. John Morant is insane. He's a freak. He's at plus 1,000. Um, he is the leader for most improved player in the NBA. He will most likely win that award. Um, just an, an insane amount of talent at the top. I'm kind of surprised that Giannis is in here at plus 600. I, I just don't think many people are going to vote for Giannis. Not saying that he's not one of the top players in the NBA. He probably is top three, four players in the NBA right now. But um, he's, you know, I don't, I don't see him as winning an MVP this year. Um, just really quickly going through some of the other awards. Rookie of the year is it's Evan Mobley. Um, they've He's at minus 650. They've basically already etched his name onto the trophy at this point. Don't worry about that. John ja Morant, even more so with most improved player at minus 1400. He's going to win that one. Coach of the year, uh, Monty Williams at minus 350. JB Bickerstaff at plus 350. Um, I don't really know who bets on coach of the year. Six man of the year. It's the, the Tyler Hero the locks, award. The, the the locks of Saturday are the uh, is that that's the obvious that bets on NBA Coach of the Year because why not? I mean, why not? I mean, I'll I'll throw something out for JP Bickerstaff at plus three fifty. Sure. <laughs> um, six man of the year, Tyler Hero at minus ten thousand. I feel like he's going Holy to cow. win that one. I mean, he's he can he'll start on most teams. Like they bring him off the bench, you know, for giggles. That's yeah. yeah. And then defensive player of the year. I think this one is interesting. Gobert is at minus 160. And then there's a huge jump to plus 425 for Giannis. I think this is one where you could take Giannis. 
because Gobert, great, but had the injury earlier. We don't know how good the Jazz will be in the playoffs. I think this could be one where you could get a lot of value with Giannis at plus 425. Yeah, I... <laughs> The value of having the best defensive player in basketball metrically, and yes, Rudy Gobert does help them win regular season games, but he can't be on the court for the final five minutes in any playoff basketball game because of his skill set uh, being a detriment to the team. Uh, I I hate this award solely because it is given to the best, I don't know, flawed total NBA playoff winning basketball player usually. And that's guys like Gobert uh, when uh, we used to give it out to, I remember like when Ben Wallace, you know, on the Pistons was always like the de facto NBA player of the year. And yeah, he won obviously the championship with the Pistons and that team and stuff. But um, after that was just kind of a, just couldn't stay on the court and just, yeah, I hate this award. It's like my yeah, least favorite it, award. It needs a, it needs kind of a refresh because I think if you, I don't know if they're just kind of looking at it as like, blocks and maybe some uh defensive ratings but like yeah you're right a a huge aspect of defense in today's nba is switchability and the ability to guard any position and the two players in the nba who are the best at doing that are Giannis and joel Embiid. and gobert is an absolute liability when he gets switched onto a guard yep and you know to put it how good are the utah jazz they're the 13th best defense so you have the best defensive player, but you're middle of the road on defense. Um, as a team, it's probably because you can't switch them out on anybody. All right. Um, does that wrap things up? Anything else that we want to talk about before we head off? Well, we're going to have to re-record this entire podcast now because according to a Shams bomb, Shams Tarania, Pelicans Zion Williamson is returning to New Orleans after spending time in Portland for his foot rehab. Williamson is clear to progress in basketball activities. The Pelicans have won four straight games and are in the playoff race in the West. Does this make them the dark horse candidate to win the entire thing? No, I know. No, Zion's just, <laughs> Zion's just trying to get an extension. That's that's he's trying to get an extension, and he's going to be probably. I don't know if he has the quick. I don't know uh, conditioning set that uh, James Harden can, but my guess is he's probably sweating gravy right now. Uh, he's not so playing forty minutes a game. Yeah, he's he's not ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it'd be real. It it would be better for basketball, the sport, if he's real. If he comes back healthy and fit next year, because yes. he's oh, yeah. an insane talent. He's electric in, in an Atlanta Hawks uniform. In an Atlanta no. Hawks uniform. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Picture this. You heard it here. The mellow ball. The mellow yes. ball in transition, throwing just a beautiful between the legs lob to somebody Zion on the list. Tomahawks it down. Yep, and that's two points, and then they go let up a wide-open three on the other end, and now they're down one point. Woo! Yeah. Yep. It, it'll – look, I, I hope he's – I hope he's back. When he's played, he's been pretty dominant. Um, I hope he comes back. All right, fellas, our first-ever NBA podcast. That was a lot of fun. Should be a really fun end to the season here in a few weeks. The NBA playoffs last forever, so the NBA champion won't be decided until mid-June crazy Start watching now post all-star break nba basketball when the stars finally wake up and just put on a show is probably one of my favorite lead-ins to a playoff type season other than maybe um was it like september baseball usually but we're not going to have baseball because uh the mlb doesn't know what the hell it's doing 
Hey, college That's a whole other podcast. College baseball is killing it right now. Um, the Hokies, hey, you know who right state this weekend. You know who will never be a guest on this podcast? Rob Manfred. We don't like you. He will no. never be. He disavowed. He will not. You be are hereby banned from the locks of Saturday, Rob Manfred. First and only. All right, fellas, that'll wrap it up for our first ever NBA podcast. We'll be back next week with the March Madness Bracket podcast. Super exciting. A ton of college basketball today. Signing off, Robert. Go Hokies. Under every warning, they ignite Bright Isabella, I'm thinking it through Everything I gotta do Burdens on the blurry lines That they drew to make